Um, Rachel, thank you for reading that psalm. Um, it's a psalm that I've always kind of grown up. It was grown up loving, really. It was a psalm that I was introduced to probably at Christian camp and probably had a lot of time reflecting on um, when I was younger. And I think at that point when I was younger, it was very much because it was a personal psalm. God knows us so intimately in that psalm, and we hear about that. But I think there's also something else that we hear. We hear, well, I've used this word an omni-king um, when I was thinking about this, this morning and what I was going to share. We hear about a king that doesn't really have the limits that we put on ourselves in this world. So as we come to close our mini-series of looking at who our king is, we've got one more session coming up in August. Um, but I was supposed to be doing a bit of a wrap-up, a bit of a like, oh, these are all the things we've learned, these are all the characteristics, and I sat there feeling really challenged by that. And I sat there because, actually, I feel like we don't always know. We don't know the limits of our gods. We've got lots of words, lots of descriptions, but there's so much more. We're at the tip of the iceberg, we've dipped our toe in. We are just getting a glimpse of an understanding as to who our king is. That in reality, there is no earthly way to summarize or comprehend the majesty of our king. And I guess for me, I, um, I'm really aware my language and comprehension isn't that great. Um, I always struggled at school, spelling was a little bit of a, a challenge. I was forever grateful when we had computers come in and you could write your essay on a computer and you had the spell check and grammar check and a sense of relief uh, that those kind of crossed over letters, misspelt words were caught and captured that you weren't going to submit something that everyone would be kind of frowning on, giving you red marks on. And because of that, it meant that I quite quickly became aware that I, I don't know words that well. And I'm never going to be able to use words to fully appreciate and worship our king. And just this morning when we were sat down before church, before we started for worship, and we were having a little chat about that. And actually sometimes when we run out of the words that we have in our language, that you know, we read every day, that we have in the dictionary, that's not a bad thing. Sometimes that pushes us into a space to think about how do we express, how do we worship our God in a different language? For me, that was a, a trigger into stepping into how do I talk in tongues? I have no other words that I can use in English that I can come to my memory. That kind of releases something um, to step out in faith and to worship in a different way. So I can't just put a label on our king. He's a king who has flung the stars into space, and yet he knows me so intimately. He knows the number of hairs on my head. And for some of us, that may be very varying and different. <laughs> But Psalm 139, always a favorite, always a personal, kind of deep favorite of mine. This idea of an omni-king, there are four words that I think I've heard around using an omni-king, and that is an omniscient king. Omniscient means all-knowing. An omnipotent king, that's an all-powerful king. An omnipresent king, which means all-everywhere-present king an omnibenevolent king, which is all good and loving. I have to read that because if I tried to say that without looking at the words, I would not be able to pronounce that very well. So an omniscient, an omnipotent, an omnipresent, an omnibenevolent, an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everywhere-present, all good and loving king. And they're the four things that I'd like us to think about this morning as we reflect on what we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks as we then go into the summer. 
So we're going to do this in a slightly different way as well, given that I'm leading to do something different. So you've all got a piece of paper on your pews, your benches. There should be some paper and some pens. Um, I would love you to grab your piece of paper now and make sure you have hold of a pen. And we are going to take these few minutes right now to fold your paper into quarters. And do it like this. So we've got one like this. I'm going to fold it down so we're going half. So you've got your four boxes. I'm going to keep those in front of you. And we're going to use those four boxes as we go through this morning. If you don't have a piece of paper, do grab one. If you don't have a pen, sorry, in the balcony, I was running out of pens. I'm really sorry. Uh, I would say throw one up, but I don't want to damage. <laughs> There's a few more down here. Stacey has a couple. Thank you, Claire, if you can run up and pass them. Thank you. So our omniscient king, the all-knowing king, I think knowledge is something that we all seek and desire. We have knowledge, we have power. We look at the governments, they send out spies, and they have their kind of MI5 and FBI, and they, they pick up the latest knowledge and the intel. There are secret services around. And increasingly, there's more surveillance on all that is going on. If you have been watching different bits of television, there's been a documentary recently about a TV program called Pegasus. Well, Actually, it's a global anti-terrorism spyware called Pegasus, um, which has been used not just for anti-terrorism, but actually looking at people's accounts, kind of influential people, without permission. And you'll have even seen, like, in the news and the media, uh, all the stuff around the legal case that's been going on with famous people, with royalty, and with the press, and them hacking phones and releasing information, and how they haven't they, how they access information. Information is incredibly powerful. We all want to know everything. And even way back in history, we think about our kings and rulers, what we hear in the Bible, the importance of having information. They had their own prophets. We probably don't hear much about prophets now in our world, but back in history, there was much more dependence on prophets and people that would interpret dreams. Kings would go to their, um, amongst all their employees and staff, they would have someone that would interpret dreams. They would send spies out to gather information and report back on all that was going on. Today, we have 24-hour global news. We can tune in at any point, see what's happening. And I'm sure most of us in the room will have, at some point, probably in the last couple of days, mine was this morning, have picked up a phone and said, I'll just Google that, um, or something to that effect. We have knowledge quite often on our phones, in our hands. The hunger for knowledge is insatiable, and with knowledge comes power. Yet despite our seemingly huge wealth of knowledge and access to it, there are still loads of questions that we don't fully understand, we can't answer, we can't relate to some things. There are even theories, you know, people would claim to be truth, but are theories with lots of questions around them. Sometimes finding the truth can be really hard because there is so much knowledge out there when you Google something, so many opinions, so many facts, what is really truth when you're looking for stuff? We will never fully understand the mysteries of God and his kingdom. 
We'll never be able to read each other's minds as we are now, although that would make things a lot easier. Psalm 139 opens with, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And it goes on to list different ways in which our king knows us intimately. He knows our movements, our thoughts, the words before we speak them. It says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. How precious are your thoughts, God, how vast the sum of them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. So that's what I did. I googled how many grains of sand in the world. Scientists estimate that the Earth contains get this right, 7.5 sextillion sand grains, which is 75, followed by 17 zeros. But I did also find that actually it could be 21 zeros or 36 zeros after your 75, depending on whether you lived in the US or the UK. And that's quite a big difference between 21 and 36. And I think that just shows the difference in our knowledge and what we access and how we understand fact and how we compare. It can be really tricky. So I'd like us to pause for a few minutes. You've got your piece of paper. You've got it folded. Hopefully, you've got four squares. And in that top left-hand square, let's take a few moments to grab a pen and to write or to draw. It can be a sentence. It can be a word. It can be a verse. Something where you have seen God in the light of being all-knowing. Where have you seen our all-knowing king? Maybe that's over the last week, month. Maybe it's something you've read, you've watched it. Maybe it's an answer to prayer and you actually you recognize God in that and how the king has been knowing of your circumstance and what's going on. It could be really personal to you. So we'll take a few minutes for you to write in that top left-hand corner how you have seen our king as the all-knowing king over the last couple of days, weeks. that's still pondering, maybe hold on to it. You can come back and fill it in later. There's no pressure and no rush. How we thought about our king as the all-knowing king, that he knows that inside of us, he knows our actions, he knows our words before we speak them. How has that been real to you in the last couple of weeks? So the next one was omnipotent, the all-powerful king. We have a king who is all-powerful, no limitations. We mentioned it earlier, linked to knowledge, that actually there's a real, when you've got knowledge, you've got power. 
With knowledge, you're able to execute the power that you have to the best of your ability. You know all the factors to make really good and wise decisions. You know how to maintain authority, power, and rule. To be powerful means that people respect you and they listen to you. You have the ability to create. Maybe sometimes people don't respect you, but they have to listen to you. Not only do you have the ability to create and to care and to love, you also have the ability to kill, stop, start, to set the rules. Often we see the kind of powerful abuse their power in this world. But they're all worldly things as well. They're kind of limited what we know of power. Our king is so powerful that in Genesis we hear how he was able to create a whole world, a whole universe, out of nothing. I don't think science can give us the answer to that part yet. Throughout the Bible, we hear stories of where our king has intervened and he's brought about miracles demonstrating that he is our king. He has power, his power holds right through to that smallest detail. Psalm 139, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He's the powerful king. It's incredible how a powerful king, king can create something that can be quite so delicate. The stape bone, I don't know if anyone's come across that, stape bone, it's located in the middle ear. It's the smallest, the shortest bone in the human body, it's a horseshoe shape, and it's responsible for transmitting the sound wave to the brain. It's like two, two to three millimeters, it's tiny. But damage to that bone may result in a complete hearing loss. That's one tiny bone and the significance that has on our lives. And God has created that, and he knows that. He designed it. There are so many songs, psalms, that sing of our powerful king, and we had the chance to hear this morning that song, Indescribable, by Chris Tomlin. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creation's revealing your majesty. That every creature is unique in the song it sings. That everyone is exclaiming. That he is the one who told the lightning bolt where it should go. What power in lightning, being able to direct that. He imagined the sun and he gave source to its light. None can fathom. The song uses words as indescribable, uncontainable, all-powerful, untamable. His power is untamable. Where have you seen our powerful king? Where have you seen our all-powerful king working in your life over the last couple of weeks or months? Is it something you've read? Is it a conversation you've had? Is it an encounter? Is it a word of knowledge over your life? Where have you seen the all-powerful king at work in your life? Let's take a few minutes to write that down. We'll go over the top right-hand corner of your box. You can draw a word or a picture. It doesn't have to be a fully formed thought.
Yeah, absolutely. So any words or thoughts or prayers or words or verses that come to mind when you think of our king being the all-powerful king. Where have you seen our God, our king, being all-powerful? Our first one was thinking about God knowing everything, all knowledgeable, and the second was thinking about God being all-powerful. You might find there's some crossovers of the two because they're quite closely related in some ways. So the next one was thinking about an omnipresent king. The all-everywhere present king. So if you are someone who has a fear of missing out, for those of us that do know, we call it FOMO, Uh, then this is the one for you. Our king is everywhere. Past, present, future, near and far. He's in all spaces. He's inside time, outside time, at all times. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. Hopefully at all times. That's what we are praying and seeking for. Psalm 139 gives us a glimpse into this. It says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee? The heavens and the depths the far side of our sea. The king can be found everywhere. He'll be with us through every situation, although we may not realize it or acknowledge it or appreciate it in in what we're facing at the time. Every trial, every challenge, every celebration, our king is there. I've been thinking about those words. We often talk about seasons. Um, When there's a change in our life, a chapter changes, I'm on maternity leave, so that's often seen as a season of time, that you're off work, things are a bit different. Um, And so it's a word we often use to describe those changes. And what's really stuck with me is reflecting on that God, he's everywhere present at all times. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. Just because my circumstance change, God doesn't change. Our king is the most solid thing we have in some ways. He is the most solid thing we have same yesterday, today, and forever. And in fact, he was here way before us and before what we can understand, and he's going to be here way after us and when we're with him in heaven. With it being the end of the school year, we had the chance to join the school assembly, um, and they were singing a familiar song, which some of you might have heard of. It brought back memories for me. The song was One More Step Along the World I Go. Um, I remember playing the recorder to that and having little choirs and things. And the line that really stood out to me when I was listening to the kids sing it was, you are older than the world can be. You are younger than the life in me. Ever old and ever new, keep me traveling along with you. Isn't that weird to think? Our God, our King, who is so old, and it can be described as being ever young, younger than the life in me. I think it's something that probably kids can understand as a concept better than we can um, in our day-to-day. So thinking about our ever-present, all-where, everywhere king. Let's take that bottom right-hand box and write a word, draw a picture, a verse, something that's happened to you, 
Make a note of somewhere that you have seen uh, all, everywhere, present king in your life over the last couple of days, weeks, months. So we've got one more box to go. Uh, omnibenevolent king. That has a little bit more of a handful to, mouthful to say. The all good. It means all good and loving king. So right at the beginning of the Bible, we see that in creation. He spent the first few days bringing into being different bits of creation, things, animals, the world. And he paused every day, acknowledging that what he had made was good. He gives us commandments by which to live by, how to be good, how to honor our God. And he's given examples and stories in the Bible of what is good and what is evil, so we get an understanding of that. And then we see it right through into the personal relationship that our king has with each of us that he is always wanting good for us, that he is all-loving. Against the backdrop of trying to understand his kingdom story, God's kingdom, our king still knows us intimately. Psalm 139. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Your hand will guide me. How intimate does that sound? You hem me in, you have me so close. Behind and before, you lay your hand on me. He's not a distant king, he's right here. We have a king who knows each of us personally, who takes care in creating us, in looking after us, always wanting our good, giving the ultimate sacrifice in sending Jesus to die for our sins and leaving us the most precious gift, the Holy Spirit, to continually fill us, guide us and live in us. A king who is just, who looks for the brokenhearted and the disenfranchised, the other, as some might say, who cares about how we actually treat each other and his wider creation too, who calls and challenges us to love each other as ourselves, to love our God, and who one day will bring justice and judgment on all that he sees too. So we have an omnibenevolent God an omnibenevolent king, the all-good, loving king, in your last box, which should be your left bottom-hand corner. Write a word, a verse, a phrase, a moment, something that's happened to you in the last couple of days or weeks where you have seen the omnibenevolent, the all-good, he's always wanting good for us, king. Where have you seen our all-good king?
Maybe that's something that's happened. Maybe it's in scripture. Just have a few minutes to think, to pray, to write. As you finish writing, or maybe not finish, but might take a little pause, I want you to hold that piece of paper and just have a, a quick look at it. I am hopeful that there are at least a couple of things on that piece of paper that gives us an insight into who God as our King is. We've been thinking of our king over the last couple of weeks as a just king, a creator, servant, supernatural, active, and loving. And I'm hoping that in what you have written there, you can see something of that in there too. And how all of those things kind of cross over each other. They all contribute to a bigger view, a bigger perspective of who our king is that we'll never be able to fully describe him or grasp the mysteries of the kingdom. Well, maybe not here. Maybe in heaven we might get that glimpse. So take a minute, look at that page. Take it in and give thanks. Psalms are great, aren't they? They're full of so much worship for our God, for our King. That, that last verse there, that he is, that we worship and exalt the King of kings that the earth and the kings of this realm belong to our God, that they're not, um, they're not who we worship, we're worshipping our king. He is greatly exalted. Look at that page. Look at the things that we can be thankful for, that you can be thankful for in your life, in knowing our king as an omni-king. An om- I've got to find the words. An omniscient, an omnipotent, an omnipresent, an omnibenevolent, an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everywhere-present, all-good-and-loving King. So much to give thanks for, isn't there? So much to celebrate. So I'm going to ask the band to start getting ready to come up. I don't know if I've said that too early now. Maybe give me two two minutes, a minute, a minute. Maybe said it one minute too early. So there are three things that I'd like us to think about before we get into worshiping. So one is, if you don't know this all-encompassing king, if you don't know Jesus as your savior and the Holy Spirit living and working in you today, then maybe come and have a chat with someone. Maybe invite Jesus into your life. Don't leave without having a conversation. Number two, if you are looking at your piece of paper and you're seeing how God has been at work in your life, how the king of kings is working in your life personally, one of the 
the most beautiful things we can do is to praise and give worship, to love our God with all of our heart, body, and soul. And three, if you are here and you're glimpsing and you're celebrating and you're giving praise to our God, don't keep it to yourself. We want to share that with our friends. We want people to know what we know of our God and our King, how he's been working in our lives. So the three things, if you don't know, then come and speak to someone. Don't lose sight of what's on your paper, how you can celebrate and you can see God at work in your life. And share it. Celebrate it.